This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Welcome to one of the first sessions of the day. Hope you guys are feeling well. Uh, I'll start by introducing our founder and president, Carolyn Gilbert. Good morning. Nice to see you all, though, though we really can't see you. No blinding up here. Uh, I'm Carolyn Gilbert. I, I run New Voodoo Media Services out of Cincinnati. Jerry Fields is with us from Auburn, Kentucky, and Lee from Philadelphia. And this is our first time presenting at Podcast Movement, though we've done a lot of conferences in the past. This is not our first rodeo, as you can tell by looking at at least two of us. Um, I know that the, the the pamphlet said seven things they love and three things they hate. That's what you get when you put the title in a month before the event, and then you go through the data and go, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go six and four. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so we have seven love, we have six loves and three crazies instead four. of four four things that drive them nuts. Four things that drive them nuts. There you go. And now we uh, there here are the three of us as you know uh, you've never met us before most of you. Um, Lee comes to us. Um, well, he's been with me now for too many older than most of you for longer than most of you have been alive. And he is our executive vice president of research analysis. Um, he has done tons of media work, and he has probably looked at more re um, music research than any human on the planet. Uh, Jerry Fields came to us two years ago as we move out of media and do more about research and consumer brands and how people, people are using the world right now. It's a, it's a pull world, not a push world anymore. Uh, Jerry brings us um, new experience, um, new insight, and uh, we are delighted to have, a, have her with us. She has, she has worked at Ipsos. She's worked for Fruit of the Loom. She's worked for Procter & Gamble. And now she works with us. So we're <laughs> delighted. So it was a three-step process. We started with an online survey of maybe some of you. We wanted to get a buzz from the people who have attended past podcast movement conferences and we're planning to attend this year to find out what do they want to know. Because at the bottom end of this, we sought to come out with answers about what do people like or maybe not like so much about podcasts. That's you. And then we set up call. Yep. Usually you can hear me because I'm loud. Um, but then we set up our qual. Um, we had a discussion guide, but we really wanted, once we put the notion or the, or the uh, uh, question out there, we really wanted to hear in their own words um, from, you know, listeners of podcasts. And we wanted them to, you know, tell us what's important. And we, so we didn't lead. We didn't bias. We, we just listened quite a bit. And that then helped us create um, a really good quantitative tool for the survey. And we started with um, 5,000 people, a little over 5,000 people. Uh, that would be the universe. They had to listen um, to podcasts for more than um, an hour a week. And that was the minimum. Most listened far more than that. Um, and we, we used three generations, Gen Z, Gen X, um, and of course the millennials. We left out the baby boomers because uh, like we're dying in droves. Uh, 
what can I say? We're, we're irrelevant, and we screwed it up. Better luck to the next generation. We couldn't go below 14. Right. We yeah. couldn't go below 14 because of COPPA regulations. Of course, you, you're not allowed to talk to those people. Well, um, not without parental permission. Not without parental permission. But we did go up to 57 because that's where Gen X ends right now. We also uh, required respondents, as I said, to, to listen for at least an hour a week. Um, and we wanted people who had a stake in this. And I will tell you, from the people we talked to, people are passionate about their podcasts. Um, we talked to the regular um, users, but we also learned that all generations are not equal. You'll notice uh, that the rat in this snake is the millennials, 26 to 41s. Uh, half of those we talked to qualified for the deeper interview, and uh, that was pretty amazing to us. And in fact, you know, if you just trace along through the, the regions that we've outlined in green here, that's at least an hour per week listening to podcasts. But I want to show it to you broken up by men and women, because that was the, oh my, in terms of the population, starting from over 5,000 respondents who say they listen at least an hour a week to podcasts, the millennial guys are really important. And you'll note that among the millennials and among Gen Xers, the 42 to 57s here, it's more of a male-leaning base than a female-leaning base. And that finally breaks as we come in the young end, at the kind of the indoor here among the Gen Zs, who in our study are 14 to 25. There, the difference between the females and the males is pretty mild. So that at the end of the day, the universe, the columns in, uh, I guess, closer to red here, you see that that's the sample of 5,000. The sample that we ended up with of 1,691, 14 to 57s, you'll see that 36% of that sample ends up being millennial males. They are incredibly important as we go through these data. And so what we have is we spent weeks with about these, these seven, 1,700 interviews. Um, and what the podcast addicts told us was fascinating. Uh, what you're going to see is we're going to show you some charts, and that's why everybody says we sit through a research presentation. There is no other way to describe you sit through it. But we have a bunch of clips from the human beings we spoke to to try and illustrate the points we're making, make it a little more interesting. Um, and we hope that you'll see a little more emotion than the charts can show you because people are passionate about their podcasts. So these are the six things they love about us. So number one, podcasts help listeners feel smarter and better informed. Okay, at first glance, you know, that seems like a no-brainer. Um, but I think the big takeaway here to understand is that it, you didn't have to be the type of podcast that set out to be education and informational. You could be entertainment. It's the fact that people choose you. They, make, they take an action to choose you. And that in the psychological brain is, I'm learning, right? And so it's important to remember that regardless of whether you think you're entertainment, they're not just coming to you for entertainment. They want to be informed and they consider it that. So when we said, asked them, compared to people who don't listen to podcasts, agree, disagree, podcast listeners are more curious. Well, the top tier of listeners, those who listen at least 10 hours a week, it's over two-thirds say, yeah, of course, we're more curious. And in fact, if you say they're better informed, yeah, better informed, 69% of the heaviest listeners, 54% overall, this is a pretty nice ego stroke. And I had to put it in here, they're just smarter. 
They're just smarter. And in fact, among the heaviest listeners here, nearly two-thirds, 65% agreed with that prompt. And it's also just nice, you know, I feel like I really learn a lot uh, while, while listening and watching them. And then, um, you know, I'm able to apply that knowledge to my daily life, which I, I really find valuable. He's so smart. He knows so much about the industry. Um, he knows so much about so much. That's what I love about it. TED Talks. I love TED Talks. The NPR TED Radio Hour, I listen to a lot. You know, and, and as we said, when the listener makes a choice to listen, you know, it puts you in that psychological category of education and information. I mean, even if you think you're just entertainment. And we talk about oftentimes in, in media research about the difference between the push and the pull. You know, back in the day of, you know, Con Cronkite, Cronkite, I can't say it because he wasn't my guy, Brinkley. I'm a Brinkley girl. Brinkley, Jennings, rather, you know, the anchor wars, that was all about they pushed to us what they thought we needed to hear, what we needed to listen to. We're in a pull. We're in a pull generation. It's different. They go find what they want to listen to. They it's about your format, the quality, what they like and what they hear. And so that makes them feel better informed because they are getting to choose. And remember that this is a, it's a one-to-one -one medium. You're taught, and we see that, we see that throughout that people listen on headphones more than or earbuds more than anything else. So you are talking to one person when you are podcasting. Um, and now we go into uh, topic number two. Uh, the mammoth benefit of getting out of the box at least um, the least objectionable programming. Broadcasting is trying to appeal to a wide mass of people. Once again, you're one-to-one, -one, and it's the joy of narrowcasting. It's the joy of being able to focus and say, this is my niche. This is where I live. So it's, uh, it's truly, you can go deeper, you can do better, and you can, you can really focus in on your specialty. So we broke down those who said that they connect with podcasts, uh, American Public Media, New York Times podcasts, NPR, Spotify, but we'd also came up with a way to allow those who say that they regularly listen to podcasts from indie producers. And we asked them, what are the top three reasons that you listen to podcasts? And these are the percentages who say, to hear about my interests that aren't well covered on other media. They're getting something unique. It's not least objectionable, objectionable programming where, well, there are five things on, I'll pick the one that doesn't stink, the, 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 well, okay, it's all right. But here, it's really connecting with people. So when you ask them, how interested are you in podcasts? Well, here's the top half of the list that we got back. True crime? Sure. Comedy, self-help, managing money, pop culture. It just goes on down. But I'll show you what's really critically important about this in two slides. Hang on with really bated breath, OK? If I break them down by generation and gender, you'll see that while there are common threads across this list, these rankings, they're never exactly the same. These are unique individuals. And okay, we're not able to treat them as individuals. Would that we could, it would be fun. 1,691 <laughs> different things for you to look at. But here's it broken down into six. And you see that the guys, the millennial males, hey, how about that? How do I hang on to some money? That would be good. Comedy is a common thread here. Self-help among females happens. Health, fitness, and, it, and 
this is just the top of the heap. Notice I, that men are not interested in self-help, just saying. <laughs> I'm good the way I am, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, you saw this chart already, but the, but the parts of this chart where we've turned them into pastels, those are, the those are the portions of those groups who say, I wish there was a better podcast about this topic. And I don't think it's important to get stuck with, well, how much of each bar is that? The point is, there's a lot of room. People are still looking for a better podcast. And it's not that easy to discover the new one, so they need to find out about them. I usually will listen to some sort of healthcare podcast. I work as a nurse practitioner, and there's always... I think that you can do a little more in a podcast form that you can't do in, like, shorter format. Like having a whole hour to like really dive into a topic with an interesting guest for a long period of time. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, podcast creators have so much latitude and there's an appreciation for all sorts of content. Um, no topic area is completely filled and fulfilled, right? So there are lots of great podcasts out there, but there's still room. And, you know, even apparently, you know, there are narrow niches that, that are still left to be filled that, you know, have tremendous revenue opportunities. If you can bring together, you know, that audience, that coveted audience and, you know, the potential advertiser. So number three, it's easy to listen in lots of places and circumstances. Um, podcasting got its name from iPods, if you remember correctly, and that's how some people started listening. Um, but it's so much wider and deeper now. As we were talking to people, we saw where they were listening, and they do all sorts of things. But one of the things that was fairly consistent is it's a fairly solitary endeavor. It often is, but not always. And so we asked them, where are you when you're listening to podcasts? So home, three quarters or so. For my, from my vantage point, the sea change here, the game changer for, for podcasting is car or truck. In my vehicle, 50% of this sample of people who regularly listen to podcasts. And as that grows, that's mammoth. People got nothing else to do. I'm, I'm driving, I'm piloting the car. I can't look at things, but I sure can listen. Exercising, shopping outside your home, train, bus, subway, certain markets, that's mammoth. And at work, that's happening too. There are souls, not me, who can listen to spoken word while they're working and still be effective. So here we've got in, uh, in red, which best describes the audio system in the vehicle you drive most among that universe of 5,000 people. And in yellow, which best describes the audio system in your vehicle among those who are listening to a podcast in a car or truck? It's half of our sample of frequent podcast listeners. And note what happens. Traditional, regular old vehicle radio, maybe as we described it, maybe one that's got two knobs, tuning and volume, and maybe some presets in between, or maybe a CD or cassette player. That's a traditional vehicle radio. On the other side, connected vehicle system, where there are you know, there are apps right there on the screen in the center stack of your car. And in between, you know, those that you can plug a smartphone into using a cord or those that connect via Bluetooth. But you'll note that if you're, a, if you're part of this sample who listen to podcasts in a car, you're much more likely to have one of those more high-tech, one of the more recent types of uh, car or truck audio systems. So what about listening solo 
on earbuds, headphones, well, there are still percentages who don't listen exclusively. And we've heard from some of those in the qualitative interviews who start to find a way as a couple because in terms of listening with somebody else, we've got people who say that as much as 50% of their listening is with somebody else around. And that's a big change too. I pretty much only listen to a podcast if I like go for a walk or a run. I need something that keeps my attention off of, oh my gosh, I've been running for eight miles. <laughs> so doing dishes, like I, I like, I'm like incapable of doing dishes unless I'm listening to a podcast. <laughs> Driving, if I'm taking a drive by myself, I will listen to podcasts generally. If I have a plane flight, I almost exclusively listen to podcasts while I'm traveling. I listen to podcasts when I'm, uh, well, I work from home. When I'm not on the phone, I, I have it on usually, or I, on the weekends or while I'm doing chores or just, um, I like to be doing something. But when I do something, I like to listen to something and that's where I do it. I'm almost always driving. Car speakers, uh, mostly alone. My partner and I, we've tried to listen to podcasts uh, together, but then there's just too much to talk about and we end up forgetting half the podcast. Yeah, so podcasts in the car is going to be game changing, right? You know, and, and, and the technology is helping. You know, we've moved away from those six station settings that you click on. I mean, now everything is, you know, the screen in front of you. And, you know, there are cues that you can use, um, much like, you know, radio is doing. You know, they're saying, in the middle of the show, they'll say something like, you know, listen, listen on your smart device by saying, you know, Alexa, play 91.3 or whatever. They, you can do those kinds of things as well so that people are thinking about you in all the activities that they do, not just what is their typical. Okay, podcasts are a topic of conversations for, uh, conversation for listeners. People talk to each other about podcasts. Word of mouth is probably the best advertisement there is. There are 2.4 million podcasts out there. How do you, how do you rise to the top? Um, a topic of conversation, talking about podcasts is something that your fans do often. Most of the people we spoke to said they heard about their favorite podcast from somebody else. And when we ask them in the sample of 1,691 podcast listeners, how useful have these been to learn about podcasts? YouTube floats up to the top, but number two, and almost as many, 58% compared to 67%, say friends. And we thought it was really fascinating that if you're a heavy podcast listener, 10 hours plus per week, 81% say they have recommended podcasts to friends. Now that's 81%. The red bar there on the right side, 10 hour plus listeners have recommended podcasts to friends. The scary part is 61% say, I used to talk regularly about podcasts with my friends, but it's rare we talk about them now. It's a matter of inciting your listener to make sure you tell your friends. If you're enjoying this, let your friends in on this because maybe they'd enjoy it too. In terms of where you can find them, if you're, if you're have the luxury of paying for you know, promotion for a podcast, among those who are the heaviest podcast listeners, the big tickets are Google, YouTube, Instagram, 
website, website advertising is mammoth, smartphone apps, Facebook, and you can see how these are people who are attuned to finding out more information, so they tend to be more likely to pay attention to things advertised on all manner of channels. Even like the podcast like series that I've listened to previously, like they've all been uh, recommendations from people that I work with. I didn't used to listen to the daily until I had a friend recommend it to me as like a, a nice thing to listen to, like probably back in 2017, 2018, as like a nice way to like kind of key into the news. I think a lot of that discovery is people I uh, like or follow went on this podcast to promote something they're doing. I think the the primary engine of finding new podcasts, these podcasts. That would probably be word of mouth, um, but I'm not necessarily actively testing them out, trying them like on the search. 99% Invisible and Radiolab were things that friends were listening to when I was in grad school. We got into like Conan O'Brien's podcast like Conan O'Brien needs a friend. That was a recommendation from a friend. Um, For me, the Dave Ramsey show, we had done it like a financial class um, put on by their organization. So I'm aware of it through that. <laughs> so, you know, the word of mouth is that powerful engine, um, you know, and, and the goal, if the goal is to increase the time listeners spend talking about podcasts um, and podcasting in order to get word of mouth, you know, there are things you can do. You can, you know, keep things relevant and timely. You can introduce current events um, to stay sort of in the news, in the know, what's happening. Um, you know, keep your social media current and relevant to your show's most delectable tidbits and, um, you know, use those things at, at, that are at your device to, to create buzz. I mean, it's all about creating people hashtagging and buzz, buzzing. <laughs> so, we've talked about it before. There are 2.4 million podcasts out there. Uh, they represent a lot of voices. And while there are powerful um, voices emerging as the big money in podcasting, there's still lots of room for the indies uh, with something to say to make a space for themselves. Absolutely. I referred to this data earlier. The podcasts you're listening to regularly, are they affiliated with any of these networks? And you can see that solidly 20% of this sample in the explanation that we gave them deeper into the questionnaire, that yeah, it's an independent, it's not affiliated with any of those guys. I'll also point out that Patreon has a following here, which is pretty great for monetizing, making sure you're getting money out of the other side. Armchair Expert was one of the first ones with Dax Shepard. Four main financial advisor podcasts. And then the other ones I listened to um, are screenwriting specific called Script Notes. Uh, and then another one is the Judge John Hodgman podcast, which is just for pure joy, fun, <laughs> entertainment. I really like the ones I really like. Uh, they keep it fresh. They keep, they sound like they're having fun doing it. They're not too long, not too short. They come out pretty often with new content. So I'm, I'm quite pleased. Generally, the topics I find really interesting, they seem to be like a pretty good length, like a good level of detail, not too short, not too long. And yeah, like I, I feel like every topic is always just really interesting to me. 
So podcasts representing lots of voices. I mean, this is really a twofer. You know, it's a twofer type notion. You know, you, the podcaster, are a lot of different voices, um, but then your audience is vast and can be diverse. And, you know, it doesn't anymore have to be that radio, loud, booming voice, which I do not have. Um, But, you know, what you know, your perspective, your knowledge, you know, those are all unique to you and you can leverage those. Um, And it goes back to that notion of the many many to one versus one to one. Um, You know, you can capture many with that one to one approach. If you stay true to your brand, if you, you know, stay relevant, you keep your social channels buzzing and you make sure you have good quality. Okay, the last of our things we love, free is an option here. Um, and most of, most of that us have experience with that because of streaming video usage. Um, do you pay to listen to, uh, do you pay to not listen to ads? Or uh, do you pay, do you not pay and listen to a few ads? Most of us do both. Absolutely. And in fact, 21% say they don't pay for podcasts. They just won't do that. But most do, at least indirectly. It's uh, part of another subscription that they think about, like Spotify, or they pay monthly, annually, for a podcast service subscription, or they pay to Patreon, or they've just donated to somebody who's asking for listener support. There's only 21% who say, nope, not doing it, no way, no how. Most feel the other way. They're all free, um, but I can say that the, the core ones that I do enjoy, I, I probably would. I think to causes, you know, we've, we've yeah. donated through listening to podcasts, but I don't know that we've ever, I've never had a paid subscription. No. I mean, I have the Spotify subscription, so it's included in my subscription. Um, but at this point, no, I don't seek out a podcast and pay for it. Yeah, I don't think I can say I have. <laughs> I guess I'm cheap. You know, so free is powerful, but we're learning from streaming television that sometimes you have to pay to get special content. You know, and the the good thing is, is when I think about all the CPG work and and other research that I've done, you know, consumer research has a plethora of examples where, you know, one channel or product, excuse me, or industry has sort of trained consumers in in a way or trained consumers to think a certain way and and then other industries reap the benefit of that. So I feel like the fact that this, uh, you know, pay to get more or pay to get less, no commercials, um, you know, that is something that you don't have to bear the burden of creating that. That's already happening. And so you, I think uh, podcasting is going to reap the benefit of that training that is happening. So here we have, the, we, we went through the six things they love, and yes, there are four things that make people crazy about podcasting. Um, too many podcasts, 2.4 million as of yesterday. I think we were here two years ago and it was 350,000. I mean, they're sort of multiplying like rabbits these days. <laughs> In fact, half of the sample, 49%, say there are two many podcasts among the heaviest listeners. 61%, you immerse yourself, you're still aware. How am I ever going to get to it? In fact, among those heaviest listeners, 57% say, I never have enough time to listen to all the podcasts in my queue. In fact, among those heaviest listeners, most, 58%, say they listen to, it's basically two podcasts or more every day, 14 a week. 
That's a lot of episodes for people to keep track of and think about. I feel like everyone has a podcast now. That too. Like I feel like you listen to like a morning radio show and they're like, oh, go check out our podcast. I get just way too many uh, podcasts pushing to my phone that I'm not even listening to. Yeah, I mean, there's so many podcasts um, and a lot of episodes. Um, but, you know, our research has, has sort of shown us that if the quality and the relevance are there, if you can create that, then the third sort of jewel in that crown is consistency. You know, if they can rely on knowing when something's coming, you know, they'll make the time if it's something they're really interested in. So those are the three things that, you know, work well together. Um, and, you know, creating a manageable content plan that, is manageable for you, you know, keeping a balance across the three of quality, relevance, and consistency is key. And number two, the big elephant in the media room is called commercials. And so you see the numbers here among the heaviest listeners within our sample, 63% say they have too many commercials in some podcasts. Across the entire sample, 54%. That's a significant complaint. That's pretty strong. Yet, yet, most listen to commercials when the host endorsements come into play. 43% of the heaviest podcast listeners here just say, yeah, I listen to it, whatever. But in yellow there, they'll listen to the ones where the hosts talk about the product or service and get to, to joke around or bend the script a little bit, engage with them. Then there are those who just make a habit of skipping through the pre-recorded commercials. You know, pip, 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 I'll get rid of those. Or there are those souls who are dedicated who just, I'm not going to listen to any of these. I will skip through all of the commercials. But for me, looking at all of this data, this one was stunning. Have you ever taken action because of something you heard in a podcast, in a commercial on a podcast? 16% say, nap. Another 14% thought about it, but nope. Okay, 5% not sure. Minus that 35%. Everybody else has been dragged in at least a little bit. I looked up the product or service online. I purchased it. I used a discount code. That's a lot of purchase intent. Some of the podcasts have just like an, a very large amount of advertisements in an excessive manner. At the beginning, I have enough patience to wait for them. Um, towards the middle or end is when I would fast forward. I don't listen to them, if I'm going to be honest. You can sense them coming. Like, once I get to that, like, little break in most episodes, it's like, bloop, 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 hit that 15-second skip thing, and then cool. I, I like it when it just sounds like good energy and, and uh, hits all the points, tries to make it kind of funny. I always appreciate that. I will generally skip over the commercials. The Weekly Planet, they do have commercials, and I generally like just skip through it. I often will listen to them, but you sometimes are able to fast forward through them, and I'll be, be guilty to doing that from time to time if I'm able. I generally don't enjoy commercials and podcasts, except for... Heavyweight. Heavyweight. Yeah. Those guys are so funny usually and snarky and they go a little bit off script enough that it's pretty entertaining. I actually like to listen to the commercials on those podcasts. On every other podcast, I just skip through it. I just don't like it when they're repetitive. So if it's like the same three, three subjects and every commercial break is the same three commercials, that's what bothers me. 
if advertising doesn't last more than say a minute and it stays in the podcaster's voice, I am far more likely to continue listening. I bought a mattress and guess what? <laughs> Squarespace, I now have a Squarespace website and I have a, a Helix mattress and those were because they were ads on podcasts. Yeah. I loved him. Yeah, you know, and the thing about it is we've been trained our entire life, uh, commercials, right? I mean, we just have. But if we borrow something from other industry, CPG research will tell you that part of making that sale, that point of sale, is situational and occasion. They always consider situation and occasion. And so for them, it's, for instance, quick trips versus the weekly shop, versus the emergency need, and where they're going, and what they're buying on those. So the thing about it to remember is to liken that from other industries to this idea of this endorsement, this host endorsement inside, you know, inside the podcast. That can be very powerful in the same way that other industries have had to look at what is the situation, what's the occasion where I can get that, I can grab that attention. Uh, complaint number three, many podcasts are too long. And it's sort, of, it's sort of like, what music do you want to hear? The music I like. How long do you want it, be? want it to be? As long as my commute is. Uh, you know, but it's also a gift for us. They need to be as long as they need to be. One of the complaints we heard was about senseless banter. They don't care what you did over the weekend. They want you to get to the topic you want to get to. So that can be a gift too. Make it as long as it needs to be. It doesn't have to be like a 23-minute sitcom that has to fit. You can do it how you want. And 42% overall say that most podcasts are too long. And that's charged. I mean, we said most. So among the heaviest listeners, 55% say it's too long. And 50% of the heaviest listeners here, those 10 hours plus per week, say that they avoid podcasts if they're too long. It can be daunting if you've got a 42-minute commute and there's a three-and-a-half-hour podcast in your queue. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get around to that one of these days. On the flip side, too short, that's not good either. They want them just right. They want them Goldilocks length. So how much of each podcast episode do you listen to? Over half say, I listen to the complete episode, even if that means going back and finishing up later. I would fall into the, uh, to the gold region here, the yellow. I'll listen until I'm interrupted or I get where I'm going, and then I've just got to stop. I always go back. And then there's the dangerous 11% who listen until they're tired, and then they'll skip to another podcast. So they like it. Um, if they've got to stop listening, you can see how promoting ahead at the beginning of the podcast, if they preview different things they'll be talking about in the episode, are you more likely to listen to the whole thing? 67% say yes. It's a massive number across the, uh, the demos here. But there are also, also those who say, well, they get to something I don't like, I'm out of there. So promoting ahead is key. An hour seems about right to the plurality. The heaviest listeners here, 10 hours plus a week, four to 10 hours a week. You can see how those, those columns drift over to the about 90 minutes, maybe two hours. But for most listeners, about an hour feels about right. And from TV, we've got a lot of experience in that, that yeah, 60 minutes is right about right. Recently, I unsubscribed from the Skinny Confidential some of them got super long, like over an hour and a half long, which again is just kind of hard to 
pay attention for that long to what's going on? Feels like more than an hour would be not so great. I feel like the ideal length to me is like 50 minutes or something, you know, that feels like the sweet spot. And then once you get past like an hour and a half, I'm kind of like, all right, this is a bit much for one thing. So sure. I mean, you know, on one hand, podcasts don't have to be any specific length. That's, you know, that's good. People like that. But I'd also introduce the notion that, you know, length is relative. And when people say it's too long, they may be actually saying, you know, well, it's too much that's divergent, right? It's too much that's not you know, time is subjective. Um, you know, it's uh, one of those things where <clears throat> if, if uh, you know, hopefully this presentation hasn't seemed like it's lasted all day, uh, you know, and 40 minutes was good, uh, but at the same time, you know, vacation is always too short. So it's really about keeping their attention, keeping the quality there, and, you know, an hour we'll see you want them with bated breath waiting for the next episode. And we know from radio days, too much talk is a is a big deal. It's really too much talk I'm not interested in. Yeah. That's the definition of too much talk. And finally, yes, they notice the quality of your podcast. I guess the good news is when we said, what do you dislike about podcasts? 30% of the sample said, nothing. Okay, so what about the other 70%? Different episodes of the same podcast can be really great or maybe not so great. Talk about the same things over and over. Poorly mixed audio, I'm surprised to see that, but it is a deeply personal medium with so many people listening on headphones or earbuds. You are right in their head. Takes too long to make a point. I think that talks into the, the banter problem that we heard about from some respondents that uh, they start out at the top and they talk too long to get to what they said they were going to tell me about. Hard to follow, that's a problem too. Bad audio quality, bad voices. Not so many with the bad voices. This is not a medium that has to have people with round pear-shaped tones. <laughs> it drives me crazy when the audio volume changes to louder. It just, it's jarring. Or like the sound of the podcaster's voice, just they change their cadence really drastically so it's not like a flow i that's, find that very irritating sometimes you know audio quality can can lack a little bit but i think most podcasts get that figured out over time sometimes when it's bad audio mixing that drives me nuts if it's like a poorly mixed like i can't hear what's being said if the audio quality isn't there like nope nope i'm out so, you know, we, we talked about the three, right? Consistency, relevancy, and we're pulling quality here because it's often the trickiest. You know, it's the one of the three that really suffers in a vacuum. And if you're, um, if you're defining quality too narrowly, um, you know, fresh ears and feedback from your listeners are key. Uh, you know, the least of which options, you know, pull a friend who isn't affiliated with the podcast, ask them to be brutally honest, tell you how it's flowing, tell you how it's going in. There's always research that you can conduct. Um, but you know, you've, you've got, you want people to keep coming back. And so open up your idea of what quality is. It isn't just audio. It's also all of the other things. Are you hitting the right occasions? Are, are your listeners engaged? Quality so, is bigger. So here we have it. Six things they love about you, four things that make them crazy. Uh, I suspect this will all be posted on, on the web so that we have now three whole minutes to take a question <laughs> or two. Anybody have a question? 
We can't see you. She's going to have to see you. <laughs> I've been blind for the last 45 minutes. All the way in the back. Good morning. Thank you for all that. Uh, number one is, uh, are these slides available to us? And if so, how? And secondly, um, if we are sending out a survey ourselves to our listeners, what do you all feel are like maybe the, I'll just limit it and say like two most important questions that we absolutely should be asking our audience? <laughs> oh my God. That, that's a really tough question. I mean, we, we cut things down. It really depends what your goal is. What are you able to take action on? What can you fix? Um, it, it's what's actionable or then, that's the number one thing you want to look at. And that's going to be different for everybody in this room. But I'd say primarily, are you satisfied? Do you like it? And if you've got the opportunity to just let them tee off on you, you know that there are going to be as many different responses as you get. But as Jerry had said earlier, it's that honest feedback. It's just be, let them be honest and unmerciful. And but don't let one person drive your decision. Right. That's the other thing. Consider and don't ask questions that you're, that, that, you know, if, if something is going to cost too much to implement or whatever, don't, you know, don't ask about those things. You want to ask about the things that are within your realm of possibility. <clears throat> okay. We're down to a minute 41. Uh, great presentation. Um, you mentioned consistency in there. A conversation that comes up with a lot of projects for me is uh, weekly versus weekly release. Did y'all happen to dig into consistency anymore in terms of, uh, you know, frequency of release? I'd say overall they want to know how often to expect, and if you're finding that publishing more frequently is, means that quality is maybe not consistent, then do fewer. Yeah. Find yeah, a schedule it depends that works on your, and live with it. It depends on your subject matter. Um, do what works for you so you can keep the quality up, but be consistent. Tuesday at 4 o'clock, expect a new episode. It's that balance across those three, those three jewels in that crown, right? Um, and, if, and if your quality is going to suffer by doing more and more, don't do it. it just because that is going to drive people away and getting them back is tough. Yeah. Uh, you had said that the sample was from podcast movement attendees, so I'm wondering how... No, no, no. No, no, no. Our okay. first sample. Initial sample. We had two surveys. We, had okay. two surveys. we, we yeah. did it in three phases. The first phase was to find out what you wanted to know. Right. Okay. The second phase were the live interviews where we wanted the questions you know, the things that were bothering them so that we could frame the third the listeners. option, which was yep. 5,000 random people across America yep. that netted down into 1,691 podcast users. That, it was a funnel. Last question. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for this. So um, the slide that said 21% of people would not give any sort of financial uh, commitment to a podcast, um, that leaves 79% that are, which I find surprising, especially considering all the folks that came on and talked about it. Most of them said, no, I'm not giving any money. No, I'm not giving you money, but I, I buy Spotify. So that's included in that right. figure. It's included in the 70%. If they're which, paying for it somehow, if okay, money's so coming out of their pocket. Of that, uh, of that 79% that the majority of it is something like Spotify? Well, it's a variety of different things. Some's... Some was just direct donations to a podcast that's asking for listener support. Some are paying through Patreon. Some are subscribing to podcasts for money. Okay. But most 
are giving it a little bit. And Do you guys coach a, around that area in terms of your clients and giving them ideas of how to? Sure. I'm, I come from a faith-based organization, so donations is a big thing for us. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And if you have other questions, we'll stick around for a couple minutes. But thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.